Well, would you turn with me this evening to the book of Proverbs? Proverbs, what chapter? That's right, chapter 4. If you have not been with us, let me inform you that we have begun on a series on Friday nights here that we are calling the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. And we're very excited about it. Yeah, amen. I said we're very excited about it. Yeah, yeah, we are. We are. Because we are hungry for the wisdom of God and we are beginning to see what's available to us and how much higher we can operate and function in the very wisdom of God himself. Have you found Proverbs 4? Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1. Hear ye children the instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also, and said to me, Let your heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. Get Wisdom. Everybody say get wisdom. Get understanding. Say that. Forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve you. What will preserve you? Wisdom. Love her, and she shall keep you. What will keep you? But you got to what? Love it. Love wisdom. Do you love wisdom? So you can't be uh, ambiguous about it. You can't be passive about it. Well, yeah, it'd be nice to have wisdom. Nah, you got to hunger for it. We've already read about that, didn't we? We read over to where it talks about wisdom is crying in the streets. Right? And we found out something else has to cry. We got to cry. We found the other passage. We got to cry out for wisdom and desire it. And hunger for it. There's too much passiveness among Christians. There's too much spiritual laziness. Well, if it'd follow me, I'd take it. My granddad, Quinnon Nelson Moore. QN, they called it. <laughs> He's a character. Uh, he used to tell me as a little boy. I didn't understand why he'd tell me this story over and over again. He'd tell me this story. One of his biggest convictions was be a man and work. <laughs> I mean, he had it strong. I was 16 years old one time uh, helping him cut wood. And I mean, I'm cutting wood. I mean, I'm, he's cutting and I'm loading. And he's far ahead of me. And I'm slinging wood, man. I'm sweating and I'm working. And I thought I was really doing it, you know. And finally he put his saw down. He said, boy, if you're not going to work, go to the house. (laughs) Golly. (laughs) I thought I was working. Well, I ain't going to the house. Man, we had to you really get with it. But he was that way. He just, you know, very strong, strong work ethic. And a good dose of that is good. You can overdo it with it and he did 
<laughs> but a good dose of it is good. I, a lot of folk could use a measure of that. Amen. They're too far on the other side. But anyway, he'd tell me this story. And for years, little boy, I thought it was true. Later I found out it wasn't, you know. <laughs> it was a parable. <laughs> there was this fella that was sorry. Now we're down south. How y'all know sorry? Sorry in the community. Didn't work. Sorry. Lay up. Lazy bum. And he was so sorry for year after year and bummed off everybody year after year until the folk of the community decided he was too sorry to live. So they're going to bury him. Alive. <laughs> Here's a story my grandpa tell me as a little boy. I'm a little guy. I'm thinking, wow. They're going to bury him alive. Yeah, bury him alive. Why? He's sorry. Because he'd ask me, you know, why? Sorry. Me and my little brother, we knew he's sorry, rascal. Deserved to be buried, you know. After so many years, you know, you... And so they're toting him out of town in the wagon. Of course, you know, this dates him. But in the wagon, they're taking, he's laying in the coffin, you know. They're taking him out of town. And one fellow spoke up and said, you know, where are y'all taking him, you know? We're burying him. He's sorry, rascal. He's too sorry to live. He said, well, why? He ain't got enough to make it through the winter. He don't have any corn. He don't have any stuff. And he won't plant any. And he won't try to make any. And the guy said, well, I'll give him some corn. I'll give him enough corn to make it through the winter. They stopped the wagon. You will? Yeah. So the fellow raised up out of the coffin and said, is it shelled? And the man said, no. He said, drive on, boys. (laughs) (laughs) Drive on, boys. Well, he's sorry. (laughs) Your papa didn't tell you stories like that. I heard that one probably a thousand times. Drive on, boys. Well, this passiveness, this if it would fall on me, if somebody bring it to me and put it in my hand, well, yeah, I'd enjoy it. That doesn't cut it. Those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, what do you say, covet earnestly. The best gifts. You got to have some fire in your belly. You got to have some desire for the things of God and be willing. You know, that's one thing that's wrong with a lot of people. They won't get up early enough to go to church. Huh? Just lazy. You know, not enough fire in them to hurry up and get home and clean up and get to the meeting or to do something or, you know, be involved in the part. Well, I just got too much going on and I just like to sit here and cheer. And, uh, well, life's going to be over. In a flash. And the only thing that's going to matter is what we did for people. For the kingdom of God. So we need to be alert. And aware. Didn't know what the scripture said? Wake thou that sleepest. Rise from the dead. Christ will give you light. How many think that the night is far spent? And it's high time that we got with the program, right? And do everything we know to do. 
be the biggest help and be the biggest blessing that God can use us to be. None of this drive on, boys. (laughs) Proverbs 4, are you there? Wisdom, verse 7, is the principal thing. Therefore, what? Get wisdom. Now, see, that's the third time he said that. Get it. Get it. Get wisdom, and with all your getting, do what? Get. Get it. Get it. Turn your neighbor say that. Get it. Get, get what? Get wisdom. Get understanding. Now, do you understand from that that you can just be real passive, and it'll probably fall on you one of these days, maybe? No. No, what do you understand? Like the woman with the issue of blood. You remember her? Who got healed. She didn't get her healing laying in the house singing Kumbaya. (laughs) I wish somebody had noticed me and come by and touch me. Please, Jesus, if it's your will. No, in her weakened condition. I mean, she's been through everything. She's weak. She's been hemorrhaging for years and years in her weakened condition. She got out. She found Jesus. She found the crowd. And he looked like it was impossible to get to him. But she just would not, you know, lay down and die with this thing. She pressed. Oh, hallelujah. That's a message. Isn't it? She pressed through the crowd. She kept saying, if I just touch the hem of his clothes, I will be made whole. If I just touch, when I touch, when I touch. And she pressed through. How many know it took some doing? In a crowd like that, in a weakened condition. She traveled, she got there, she pressed, she reached through, and she got it. She got it. Say it out loud again, get it. Get it. So that's what faith is. Faith is a receiver. Believe that you receive. And actually, how many remember Mark eleven twenty four? What Jesus said, what things soever you desire. Remember that? When you pray, do what? Believe, believe that God is good. No. no, you need to believe that, but that's not what that said. Believe it is His will for you to be blessed and healed and healed. No, Mm-mm. that's not believing what He said here. Believe what? Believe, believe He can do it. No. Believe He's able. No. no, it's not what it said. What did it say? Believe what? Believe. What must you believe? Believe. believe that you receive them. Amen. See, people are believing all kind of stuff instead of that. Right. Well, I believe God's good. That's great. But that's not enough. Right. I believe it's God's will. I believe God wants me to have it. Wonderful. But that's not enough. Right? right? What must you believe? You now, if you look this up, if you look it up, you'll find in vines and strongs and different places that the original meaning of this word, believe that you receive them, is take. T-A-K-E. It's translated that way in other portions and passages. So believe what? Believe that you receive them or believe that you take them. Isn't that what that woman did? Think about it. Jesus wasn't having a meeting. He wasn't teaching. He wasn't preaching. He wasn't having a healing line. Right? She didn't even ask him if it'd be okay for her to get a healing. Isn't it good she wasn't confused that it might not be God's will for her to be healed? She didn't ask anybody. 
She didn't check with any schools of theology or write in any letters or questions. She just pressed in and took it. (laughs) And the Bible said immediately she felt in her body that she was healed and made whole of that thing. See, now the feeling was the last thing that happened. Did you see that? See, people are trying to feel first. It didn't work that way. Feeling is the last thing. The believing you receive, the believing you take happens first. That's why she backed up in the crowd and is smiling like the cat that got the canary, you know. And she's thinking, oh, glory to God. Ooh, I could feel it. I know I'm healed. I know more trips to the doctors night and day and nobody can help me and spending all my money. I'm healed. Glory to God, I'm healed. And she opened her eyes and Jesus had not moved from the spot where she had touched him. Uh Uh-oh. And he's asking, who touched me? Uh-oh, uh-oh. Because she didn't even ask if it was okay to get healed today. The Bible said she was scared. Remember that? She didn't come forward right away. Because the Bible said in Luke that he looked around and they all denied. So initially who looked at her? Who touched me, he's saying. Who touched me? And finally, you know, he kept on doing it so long that the disciples said, Master, a lot of people touched you. He said, no, somebody touched me. He wouldn't move. And he looked around, who touched me? And people are going, oh, no. (laughs) Who touched me? He's looking, who touched me? And he looked at her and she's like, finally, he wouldn't go on. So she came and fell before him. You remember that? And told him all the truth and what she did and what he said. You should have asked. Because it might not have been, you know, it's not always the will of God. Then why do millions of Christians believe that junk? Hmm? Millions of Christians believe what I, you laughed at it, but millions of Christians believe that. Why? Well, it's easier to believe than the truth as far as a responsibility on us. People like to say, well, no matter what happens or doesn't happen, it's not our fault. We don't know. No. It's easy to be lazy spiritually. And you say whatever will be, will be. But it takes some gumption. And it takes some desire. And it takes some fire when you don't feel like raising your head up off the pillow to get up out of bed. Find out where they're at. Chase them down the highway. Push your way through a thousand people. Right? And reach in there and get it. Oh, come on now, come on. Do I have any getters in here? Getters. Getters. Go-getters. What do go-getters do? They go get it. And they don't come back empty-handed. They come back with something. They come back with what they went to get. Now, why did I say all that? You and I have instructions from the Word of God. We are told To get something. And you can see there's a play on the word there, isn't it? Get wisdom. Get understanding. Wisdom is the principal thing. So get it. And with all you're getting, get understanding. Get, get, getting. There's a play and emphasis on the words. So say it out loud. I'm getting it. I'm getting my wisdom. I'm getting my understanding. I'm getting it. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah.
We talked earlier about the beginnings, actually, of describing how to become wiser, how to get your wisdom. And one thing we've said is, we've already been emphasizing it, desire. You must love wisdom. You must desire it. You must reach for it, hunger for it, seek for wisdom. And James talks about this. You remember that? He said, if any of you lack wisdom, do what? Let him ask of God, which gives liberally to all men and upbraideth not, and it shall be given to him. When you're facing a situation, is it okay to ask for wisdom for that situation? So do it without fail. Do it. Look for wisdom in the morning. You get up, start looking for the wisdom of God, how to handle your affairs. Every time you come, don't just, you know, do something first thing off the top of your head. And don't let the enemy try to pressure you into choosing between one or two or three wrong choices. But you got to do this or you got to do that. How do you know? All you see is choice A or B. But God will show you C, D, E, and F. Right? There's wisdom of God. How many remember they had Jesus cornered? And they said, you know, this woman was taken in the very act of adultery. The law said stoner. But what do you say? Well, see, they think they got him, don't they? A, stoner. B, don't stoner. If you stoner, then you're as mean as they are. And, you know, people are going to see that. If you say don't stoner, well, he's against the law. How could he be right? Contradicting the law. And see, the enemy's pressuring him. The Bible talks about they stood around him. And they kept on asking him, what about it? What about it? You know all the answers. What about it? And what did he do? Stooped down. Started writing. I believe he's waiting on the wisdom of God. I believe he's looking to the Father. Waiting. And it came up in him. I believe he got a big smile and he thought, "Uh uh-huh. (laughs) and he stood up he said the one that's without sin among you let them throw the first rock and he bent back down and started writing man in a split second this thing has turned around and now all the people are looking at them like you better not throw a rock (laughs) I know what you did last week (laughs) sorry rascal And one by one, they all convicted and condemned by their own conscience. They left. Right? How quickly the whole thing. See, the devil thought he had it tied up. But the devil is dumb beside of the wisdom of God. He thinks he knows some stuff, but he doesn't know anything beside the wisdom of God. So the next time you get in a situation and you feel stumped, do not feel like you have to choose between what's in front of you. Look, check. Check for the wisdom. Ask for the wisdom. Look for the wisdom. Can you say amen? Amen. And get your wisdom for that day, for that situation. Get it. Get it. Now, another thing that we're going to talk about today. In fact, go to the first chapter of Proverbs. How many in a rush tonight? You got time? Can we take our time on this? I'll be... Honest and frank with you, I, this is the first time I've ever taught this like this. So I'm having to take my time and see which way to go and be led like always. But you know, if you've done something before, then you have more reference. But I am enjoying it. I think I'd teach it just for myself. Because I'm interested. Right? 
uh, the wisdom of God just makes things so much simpler and easier. I mean, uh, one of the biggest sources of stress and frustration is not knowing what to do. That's one of the biggest causes of people stressing and worrying and fretting. And when you know what to do, there's no need to stay up the rest of the night. Huh? No need to get an ulcer and pull your hair. And any When you know what to do, you just breathe a sigh of relief and you go, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. No more laboring. Well, what if I do this? And what if that don't happen? And, and what if? And, and what if they don't? And you can live your whole life in what if. And it's an awful place. What if is a bad place to live. The wisdom of God is not what ifs. The wisdom of God is do this. Do this. Yeah, but no buts. Just if you got faith, you've heard from God. Now do it. He knows the future. He knows things you don't know. So come out of the land of what if and move into the wisdom of God. Proverbs 1, are you there? Verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction. Now say that word out loud. Instruction. You're going to hear that a lot tonight. Because this is big, big key to receiving your wisdom and getting more wisdom. To know wisdom and instruction to perceive the words of what? Understanding. Verse 3, to receive what? There it is again, the instruction of wisdom. Now here we're seeing a vehicle Whereby God ministers wisdom to us. The vehicle is what? Instruction. Instruction. If you go back and look through the four gospel accounts. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Those that have read it very much. Thought about it. What's some of the main things Jesus did? If you want to look at the percentage of time. That he spent on things. What would be. The biggest things he spent his time doing in ministry. Number one. Teaching. Is that right? The Bible said more than once he went right. Teaching. Preaching. Healing. You see that repeatedly. But again and again. Sometimes it says teaching when it didn't say the others. Teaching. Teaching. Instructing. And so much of the uh, gospel accounts we have are portions and passages of his instruction like all the parables instruction must have been important if something else was more important he would have done that more so what should we emphasize now well that's one reason that our services have so much of it in them that's not all the service is supposed to be but we're supposed to have a lot of it and it's not just supposed to be something coming out of men and women's heads it's supposed to be anointed Revelation, instruction from the Holy Spirit. Not just man to man, but God to man. Said out loud, Holy Ghost. Ghost. Anointed. Anointed. Instruction. Instruction. Is it vital to us? Oh, thank God. To receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, 
and judgment and equity, to give subtlety or discretion to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will do what? Will hear and will increase learning. A wise man will do what? How about a fool? A fool won't hear. Doesn't want to hear. Wonders what in the world you come here on a good Friday night and sit up in here with your Bible. When you could be out getting drunk or something. Having fun. Now, is that right how some people think? Because they don't see the value of instruction. And hadn't got time for it. That's a fool. Now, we're beginning to see it, but you're going to see it over and over and over through these passages. A wise man wants to hear and wants to know. A fool hadn't got time for it. Don't bother me with it. A fool says, boring, boring, boring. I got to party. (laughs) And fools wind up dead at an early age. And fools lose their relationships and lose their careers and, right, lose their families. And I hope I'm not looking at any fools. Say it out loud. No fools here. No fools here. No, no fools here. Just wise people. Well, what do wise people want to do? They want to hear. They want to learn. They want to be instructed. We're going to see something else as we go, but. This is good enough for now. He said, a man of understanding will attain unto wise counsels. See, the first step is knowledge. You find out something. Then you begin to understand what you found out. It's not just stats and numbers and facts. You begin to understand what you're talking about. And then you develop skill in using your knowledge and your understanding how to apply it. In life situations. And the more of it you have. The easier life is for you. And the better it is for you. To understand the proverb. And the interpretation. The words of the wise. And their dark sayings. They're dark to the ignorant. And to the foolish. In verse 8. Well no let's see. For time's sake. Skip down to verse uh, 20. Verse 20. Wisdom cries without. She utters her voice in the streets. She cries in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates. In the city, she utters her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones? Other translations say, You silly, gullible ones. (laughs) Silly and gullible. How long will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools Hate knowledge. Fools hate what? They don't want to hear. They don't want to learn. They don't want to know. Verse 23. Turn you at my reproof. Now here he's talking about something else besides instruction. What is this? I'm going to give you three keys. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. I know this is a little different. We're not preaching fast and running the aisles tonight. But this is important too. How many of you don't need to eat tater chips and ice cream all the time? 
Sometimes you need cornbread and turnip greens. Huh? You need something to stick to your ribs, right? You need something to help you. Sometimes it might be a food you don't particularly like. But you need it. Your body needs it. I know. I When Phyllis and I first started dating, I went to her house. And her mom is Cajun. And I had never eaten crawfish. I had never eaten crab. And I was surprised by it. I thought, what is this doing on the table, you know? <laughs> now some of my favorite food. But then it was very strange to me. Also, they ate cauliflower and uh, Brussels sprouts. Now, when I put a Brussels sprout in my mouth for the first time, <laughs> I thought that had to be the awfulest thing I have ever put in my mouth. I thought, golly. And so I dared not touch one for the next 10 years. We didn't eat them at my house. I never ate them. But after learning some things in God and beginning to grow some, I realized that, you know, dark green vegetables have some things for you, nutritionally, that you need. And I begin to say, if it's good for me, I like it. Did you get that now? How many of it's childish to go, ooh, yuck, I don't eat that? Hmm? It'd be like premium gasoline smelling the nozzle and go, ooh, I don't, I'm not putting that in my car. No. I like cherry Kool-Aid. <laughs> smells good. It tastes good. I'm putting cherry Kool-Aid in my car. <laughs> well, you ain't riding either because your car won't run on cherry Kool-Aid. <laughs> so I begin to see that that is childish. To talk about, ooh, I don't like that. Ooh, I'm not going to eat it. No, this body is my temple and the temple of the Holy Ghost. I'm the caretaker of it. And if something would be good for it, I ought to do it. Whether I think I like it or not is really beside the point. Now, it's not to a lot of people, but it should be. So I begin to say, if it's good for me, I like it. If it's good for me, I like it. And so I was around some of these Brussels sprouts, and I decided, oh, I think I ought to eat one. So I ate one. Oh, brother. <laughs> I thought, why did I do that? So, But it came up again, and I ate another one. And I'd say in between grimaces, if it's good for me, mm, I like it. It's a faith statement. I actually like them now. I do. I'll eat them when there's other stuff to eat. I'll go to them on purpose again. I like them. <laughs> or some folks say, well, good for you, but I ain't eating them. You know? <laughs> well, whatever it is, if the Lord deals with you to do something, have enough maturity to not be led by your feelings or your flesh preferences. Do what is good and right for you. Can your tastes change? Can your feelings change? Can your desires change? Yes, they can. Spiritual people are not governed and dominated by their feelings and their desires and their wants or dislikes. If something needs to change, they put their faith on it and say, no, buddy, you come into line here. You change. Taste change. Appetites change. Feelings change. And it may not change in a week or two or a month or two. But you just stay after it until it changes. And it will. 
<laughs> there's some guys saying, I wish you hadn't said that, Brother Keith, because, yeah, you do. You're glad about it. Talk faith. Proverbs 1, let's continue. He said, turn you at my what? Reproof. Now, he's already mentioned instruction. Now, he mentions something else. We're going to see this again and again. Reproof. And like I said, I'm going to get ahead a little bit here and give you a third thing. Rebuke. Say it out loud. Instruction. Instruction. Reproof. Reproof. Now, another way of saying reprove is to say correct. So reprove and correct are very close. But then this last one is stronger than reprove or correct. Rebuke. Rebuke. If you want wisdom, you got to be interested in these. You got to be interested in them and you got to be open to them and you must receive instruction and reproof and correction and if need be, rebuke. A wise man appreciates these. A fool despises them. Now you're going to see this as we go. Do you want to be a fool or a wise person? Then you must not let yourself despise instruction or correction or rebuke. You must not. You must learn to appreciate it. People see correction as a negative thing. Don't they? So many do. They see if I had, well, I had to be corrected. Hmm, hurt my feelings. They've had to correct me three times this month. Whew, I'm tired of it. Tired of being corrected. <laughs> you know how I know about some of these things? Both in our own personal life and in dealing with other people. I know. Human nature is such that most people do not value, they do not appreciate correction, particularly rebuke, which is strong. Now, with this in mind, go with me to, uh, hold your place here, and go to Hebrews, the book of Hebrews. Let me remind you what the Lord said about correction. You know it. Let's look at it again. Hebrews. The 12th chapter. We're coming back to Proverbs, but I want you to look at this. Hebrews 12. I'm going to begin reading in verse 5. Hebrews 12, 5. And I have the living translation here. Hebrews 12, 5. This says, Have you quite forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you, his child? He said, My son... Don't be angry when the Lord punishes you. What's the King James say? Chastens. And this has to do with strong correction. It includes the idea of correction, reproof, and rebuke. Don't be discouraged when he has to show you where you are wrong. Isn't that what correction is about? What, what is correction? I, one definition I found of correction is to alter or adjust to bring to the right condition. If it's wrong, it needs to be corrected. Why should we take it so personal and get our feelings hurt so much if something needs to be corrected? 
Why would you have to take it personally? In a hurtful way. Well, they had to correct me. Why would anybody be surprised that you needed to be corrected? Now, let's stop and think about it now. If you never need any instruction or any correction, what does that mean? What would that imply? That you already know everything and have everything perfect and right in your life. Could that be true about anybody sitting here tonight? That you already know everything that you need to know and you're already right about everything that you know or think or that you're doing. That ain't right. So since that's not true, what should you have regularly? Some instruction and some correction. Can you see how we've not thought right about this? We've not thought right about this. As a society, in general, people look at it as, you know, they feel like they ought to be able to go 30 years and nobody ever correct them. I'm an adult. Well, I'll correct myself. If you don't know it, how are you going to correct yourself? If you didn't even know you were wrong about it, how are you going to correct yourself? Well, just me and Jesus. He's the only one that can correct me. Well, that's convenient. (laughs) How would anybody except you and Jesus know? Well, you can't. Only me and Jesus can know. (laughs) These are the folks that are the most messed up of all. Did you know that's part of the ministry's job? Thank you for those three (laughs) amens. Okay, hold your place. Go to Timothy, 2 Timothy. (laughs) 2 Timothy. Two things here that I want you to notice. First of all, 2 Timothy, the third chapter. 2 Timothy 3 and 15. 2 Timothy 3.15, he says, You know that from a child you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you what? Wise. Wise. Now notice how it comes. We're back to the vehicle of it. God uses the Holy Scriptures. And it's an indication already of what kind of person you are, because you are sitting here tonight with this book in your hand. Instead of somewhere else doing something else. That's already an indication that you are wiser than the average bear. On the outside. You know what I'm saying? Because you're in here. We're in here. The Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now how many understand the dumbest thing... The biggest fool is the one that loses their own soul. So the ultimate application of wisdom 
is realizing that there is the one true living God. And his son is Jesus. And he is virgin born and raised from the dead. And did pay the price right. And receive and believe on him. And be born again. And serve him in this life. And have reward in the next. And have a place in his kingdom in eternity. That's wise. The fool says there is no God. That's the biggest fool on the planet. don't care how many schools they went to. How many books in the library? They are fool, capital F-O-O-L. Fool. Somebody say, not me. He said, able to make you wise to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, all scripture. Now stop right here. Did he change subjects or is this is a flow of the first thought here? Is he talking about wisdom? Wisdom and scripture. And all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, that's teaching, or you could say instruction. Here's instruction. And for what else? Do we need something besides instruction at times? What else do we need? Reproof for reproof for correction. Do we need, besides instruction, do we need reproval and correction? Yes, Yes, we do. Not a one of us that doesn't. For instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Now, do you see the connection? This wasn't written in chapter and verse. It was divided for reference sake. Because the scriptures make us wise. Because they are useful for instruction and correction and reproof. Then he said you preach them. You proclaim them. And you do it when you feel like it and when you don't. When it's handy and when it's not. When it's popular and in season. And when it is not. Right? And what else do you do? He didn't stop there. What else do you do? Is this talking to ministers and preachers now? We know ministers are supposed to preach the word. But a lot of them cross the line. And reprove too. Uh-oh. No, it's in the same verse. It's just a scriptural to reprove and rebuke, which is a very strong word. As it is to preach the word. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound teaching. I think it's come in a lot of places where people are not even open to receiving correction or rebuke. No, no, no. You just tell me what you think and I'll decide what I want to do with it. Who are you to correct me? Are you trying to correct me? They'll heap to themselves teachers having what? Now what's the deal with an itching ear? Something itches, what you want to do with it? So what does that mean? That's somebody that will tell you what you want to hear. 
And it is so sad that so many churches, the ministers have no authority. They are hirelings. They are hired and fired at whim and will of the board. Totally unscriptural. Totally wrong. And so because of that, they always have in mind staying popular. So I can get voted in for another term. If I preach something they don't like, or if I do something they don't like, or if I correct, you know, deacon so-and-so, and he gets mad, well, I'm probably out of here. So there's come so much politics in churchanity. And because of that, minister, you know, so many people don't even know what a real pastor is. They don't even know. You know, we, over the years, we've been here, what, three years now. And we had a few people that were surprised that we didn't just sit on the sideline, that we were involved. And if we didn't like something, we said so. Are you with me now? And the Lord told me when we first started this thing, he said, uh, I mean, this was like the second week of the church. He said, if you're always giving in to people, who's leading this place? I said, well, it wouldn't be me. If I'm always giving in to somebody else, I wouldn't be leading. He said, if I wanted somebody else leading it, I would have put them here. And you'll have to stand before me and give an account of why you let something happen or why you didn't do something. And it's not going to hold water for me to stand up there going, well, Lord, you know, the people didn't like it. And in Branson, they didn't think that way. And you know, so-and-so, if I'd have said they'd have got mad and half the church might have left. You'd be a lot better off with half the church leaving than standing up before the Lord, getting judged for not doing what you're supposed to do. Now, people get out of the ditch on that side and come all the way across the ditch and abuse their position. Hmm? And are just mean and harsh and hard and nosy. Hmm? It's none of my business whether you buy a Chevy or a Ford and how your wife dresses unless she's distracting the service. I mean, what I mean by less half the men are not looking to the platform. Then it becomes my business. But, you know, uh, what kind of tie you wear, what style house you build. You know, I believe in people learning to be led for themselves, Being trained and being led. But particularly where spiritual things are concerned. The pastors are supposed to be the spiritual mom and daddy. And the kids are not supposed to run the house. Did you hear me? And in so many churches, people don't have a concept of this at all. You can hear it the way they talk. Y'all need to come hear our little preacher. He's a good little preacher. We just hired him last month. (laughs) And he's got no authority. And he's got to watch everything he says if he wants to stay out the year. (laughs) Aren't you glad we're free from that around here? I hope you are. Somebody said, why are you saying all that? Because... In order to be wise, you must have something besides instruction. What else must you have? Some correction. And if needed, even some rebuke. Now, rebuke is tough. Rebuke 
is not even necessarily in a kind tone. Rebuke can seem harsh and hard. But sometimes, depending on the severity of the situation, how many know if you're about to run your car off a cliff? You don't necessarily want somebody. Now, you might think you did at the time, but when it's all said and done, you don't want them on the side of the road going, Honey, <laughs> please. No, you need something that will jar you if you're about to be destroyed. Right? Did Jesus ever correct people? Did he ever rebuke people? Was he stern with them sometimes? Was he being mean and just hard and cruel? Was he having a bad day? No, no. What was he doing? It was necessary. It was needful because they weren't getting it the normal channels. They weren't paying attention. Something needed to jar them. And so these are aspects of ministry. <laughs> Getting some looks across the crowd. They're like, what are you planning on doing? The Bible. Same thing we've been planning on doing ever since we've been here. Right? Now I'm a strong believer in not embarrassing anybody publicly unless the Lord really deals with you to do it that way. So I think a whole lot of the correction could be done privately. You understand what I'm saying? Where people are, for lack of a better phrase, can save face. and No need to humiliate anybody, embarrass anybody. Now there are times, Jesus did it, where hypocrites were rebuked publicly. But that's not common. And again, it's people that were hypocritical. And it needed to be dealt with that way. But here he says part of the ministry in preaching the word is also reproving, rebuking, exhorting with long-suffering and doctrine. Go back to Proverbs. Let me see if I can tie this up for this evening a little bit. Do you want to be wise? Yes. <laughs> then what? What do you got to receive? Instruction and reproof or correction and even can you? Can you take it? While you're turning back to Proverbs, let me finish reading Hebrews to you. We didn't finish, but I'll read it while you're finding your place there. He said, have you forgotten the encouraging words? Don't be angry when the Lord punishes you. Don't be discouraged when he has to show you where you're wrong. For if he chastens you, if he corrects you, it proves that he loves you. How many believe that? Whom he loves, he chastens, he corrects. Now, this is not just instruction. How many understand the difference between instruction and correction? You're being corrected. Somebody's telling you, no, that's not right. That's wrong. This is right. Should you just automatically get your feelings hurt if that happens? Should it be a strange thing that that happens to you? No. That should be happening all along with all of us. That we're shown this is not right, this is wrong. You thought this was right, but it's not. This is right. Correction. It says, it proves that you're really his child. Let God train you. For he's doing what any loving father does for his children. Who ever heard of a son who was never corrected? Well, that's what we're saying. 
If God doesn't correct you, chasten you, punish you when you need it, as other fathers chasten their sons, it means you're not really God's sons at all. And you don't belong in the family. Since we respect our fathers here on earth, though they punish and correct us, should we not all the more cheerfully submit to God's training so we can begin really to live? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I didn't see this when we first started on it, but I now begin to see some where we're going. The Lord told me this some years ago. I wrote it down. Let me share it with you. He said to me, Keith, the thing that might challenge you, aggravate you, maybe anger you the most, if you would receive it and deal with it, would be the thing that would cause you to grow the biggest and the quickest. How many know there are areas where people get touchy? Husbands and wives get touchy with each other about an area and they come to find out we can't talk about that. Just because you don't talk about it doesn't make it all right and does not make it go away. And these things don't just evaporate because of time. It takes humility and it takes faith. To be able to look the thing in the eye, and even if it's ugly, and it's me, be a man, be a woman, step up and look it in the eye, and judge it. Go, yeah, I've been like that, and it ain't right. I've been like that for 20 years. I've been like that for 40 years, and it ain't right. But then don't just stop there and be condemned. Have enough faith, right? To believe I can overcome. I can be like Jesus in this area. I can change. But if you're so touchy, if you're so sensitive that you can't receive any instruction and correction, much less a rebuke about it, then you will not get past it. You will not get beyond it. Have you seen people get so touchy about their weight? Oh. Don't bring up my weight. That is off limits. (laughs) And you're in bondage. And you're going to stay there. How many understand there is wisdom from God how to get off that excess? I said, oh, you done going to meddling now, Brother Keith. I ain't running for anything. It's not going to be an election, no vote. I care about you being happy, having victory. Life's too short to have something kick you and defeat you decade after decade like there's no power in God to overcome it. How many believe there is wisdom in God no matter what you've been dealing with, how long this thing's been defeating you, there's wisdom in God. And grace in God to win it. To overcome it. But you can't be touchy about it. Or else you will not receive your instruction. And your correction. Can't be touchy. About your money. About your financial problems. There are folks that are so touchy. Their finances are in such a mess. 
They're behind. They owe everybody. Everything is such a mess. Oh, but don't you bring it up. Ooh, no, no. That's my business. Well, your business is messed up. Yeah, but it's my messed up business. Well, yeah. And depending on how long you want it to stay messed up, you got to get over being touchy. As long as you are touchy and will not receive instruction and correction, you're being a fool in that area because fools despise instruction. Are you there in Proverbs? Let's finish reading this. One, we stopped in one. Verse 23, turn at my reproof. Behold, I'll pour out my spirit to you. I'll make known my words to you. Now let's back up. If you do what? You've got to turn means to change. Turn around. That's repentance. At my reproof. Because I called and you what? Refused. I stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But you have said it not my counsel. You would none of my reproof. He said you wouldn't have it. You wouldn't hear it. Friends, don't turn me off now. Can you stay with me a few minutes? There are people sitting in here right now, people watching by the internet, and you've done that. In your marriage, there are stuff you've dared your spouse. Don't you even talk to me about that. And you refused reproof. You would have none of it. Don't try to correct me. There are people that's been in and out of churches. And they've been in three different churches over the past several years where their ministers tried to talk to them about that and they would not hear it. And so they just changed churches. And nobody talks to me about that. Notice what it goes on to say. You've said it not, all wisdom's counsel, you would none of wisdom's reproof. What's going to happen to them? He said, I'm going to laugh at your calamity. And mock when your fear comes. When your fear comes as desolation. Your destruction comes like a whirlwind. Distress and anguish comes on you. Now let's just stop right here. See this is what people don't see. They see people in terrible turmoil. And how bad it is. But they didn't see when God tried to talk to them about it 30 years ago. Did you hear me? And tried to talk to them again and sent people and sent people and they would not have it. Don't talk to me about that. Well, destruction will come. He said, verse uh, 28, then they'll call me, but I won't answer. They'll seek me early. Well, then, but they won't find me then. For why? Verse 29. For that they hated knowledge and they did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would none of my counsel. They despised what? All my reproof. They despised it. See, a wise man, it reminds me of my youth. My dad put me in a school of martial arts when I was 10 years old. And they were old school. Concrete floors and no pads. And the instructors, yeah, ouch. And the instructors were very, very strict. And man, you, you know, when you were sitting watching somebody else spar or do something, you did not lean up against the wall. You did not lean up against each other. You crossed your legs a certain way. You sat erect. And uh, 
you know, you responded correctly. A lot of discipline, almost military. And it's good. It helped me. I, I think it's great. But the instructor would come by, and maybe your stance is not right. And so he'd come by, and he'd move you, and he'd go, you know, bark at you, sometimes in Japanese, you know. And so then, you know, you try to make it right. Now, if he did that about three times, the next thing you'd feel is you bouncing off the concrete floor. They'd just come and sweep you, and boom. Now, what you're supposed to do is pop up and say, thank you, sir. Did you get that? Thank you, sir. Why? Because I didn't get it the first three times. And I needed something to help me focus and concentrate better. And my instructor is helping me out. Right? He's showing me. The right way to do it. And in time to come, you really are glad because it pays off. How many know we ought to have that mentality? We got that much sense in natural stuff. That's what he's saying in Hebrews. How much more if the Father God corrects you? Even if it's stern. What should you say? Thank you, sir. God corrects you through somebody. Through your leaders. Through your fellow Christian. Through somebody else. A wise man, a wise woman sees the value. And instead of getting their feelings hurt and getting touchy and getting miffed, they go, thank you. Thank you for pointing that out to me. Thank you for helping me with that. Thank you. I'm talking about faith life church people now. Wise people who say thank you. Yeah, thank you. How many times have you seen people in simple stuff? They're doing something wrong and somebody who's got 20 years experience and it points it out to them and says, well, you know, you might want to do this and this. And they go, well, I know what I'm doing. That's a fool. Here's somebody who's got 10 times their experience trying to help them out and they can't take an instruction. That's a fool. A wise person will say, thank you. Anything else? A wise person loves instruction. Loves Correction. Loves it. Why? Because the, he or she sees the value of it. They know, man, this could save me from tearing up my equipment. Save me from wasting money. Save me from wasting half a day. Right? Save me. Right? Wise person sees the value. Glory to God. Glory to God. Let me read some more to you here. Let me read some more to you. Go to... Only a couple of more passages, I think. Go to the uh, ninth chapter. I'm just going to turn through, read a couple. Let these be in your thinking. Then you'll be primed when we come back to pick up here next time. Proverbs 9 and 8. What does it say? Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate you. Rebuke, and that's a strong word. That's being tough with somebody. Rebuke a wise man and he'll what? What a contrast. How can you tell whether somebody's a fool or a wise person? You see how they take correction. How they take instruction. And here's the other side of it. If you can see somebody does not appreciate instruction, should you try to instruct them anyway? No. Mm -mm. Now this is how God is too. 
Don't cast your pearls before swine. Don't give that which is holy to the dogs. And a lot of people say, well, why didn't God tell me? Because you didn't want to know. You didn't want to hear it. He said, you rebuke a wise man, and what will he do? He'll love you. He will love you for rebuking him. I had the opportunity to serve with Brother Hagin, Kenneth Hagin, for 20-some years. And uh, there were times he corrected me. That should not be shocking. A young man, 20 years old, knows very little about God. Here's an elder, 80 years old, multiple visions from the head of the church, walked with God faithfully for, you know, 60-some years at that time. Should it be surprising that the young man gets some correction? Then why would people think it's a strange thing or get offended or get hurt? I think I've told you this before, but one that stands out to me, there are a few times I got rebuked. Not too many, thank God. Quite a bit of correction. Tons of instruction. Quite a bit of correction. Little bit over the years of rebuke. One day we were in a service and the young lady and myself that were doing singing and playing, you know, we were sitting on the front row and Brother Hagin looked over and said, y'all come on up. Get ready to go. She's talking about sing, close the service out. Well, she looked at me and she said, you want to sing today? I said, I don't care. You can. She said, well, I don't care. You can. And we sat there and went back and forth for (laughs) three minutes, maybe four, five, while he kept talking. Well, he looked over and he said from the platform, the whole crowd obviously heard him over the PA system. He said, (laughs) Room full of people. He said, well, if I'd have known it was going to take you that long, I wouldn't even have called on you. I said, that's hard. It was needed. Because we knew better. This wasn't our first day. And what we're doing is being disrespectful to him, to the things of God. Because we're just sitting there, lolling around. I mean, we know the service closes. Every time he finishes, we co- how many of we should have been thinking about this an hour ago, watching the direction of the service and trying to think what would be good for that and where this would fit and be ready. And so when he called on us, we're ready. So what he said, be instant. The word of God's able to make you wise, wise people looking ahead, thinking ahead. So then you're instant. I mean, he barked it. If I'd have known it was going to take you that long, I wouldn't have called on you. Somebody said, phew, I don't like that. I wouldn't serve anybody like that. Yeah. And where would you be in ministry? I've seen this. In my few years in the ministry, there's been probably a dozen serious times we could have got offended. We could have got our feelings hurt. We could have bailed and missed God. And you and I probably wouldn't be looking at each other tonight. Did you hear me? Because it ain't always fun getting rebuked. And your flesh don't like it. Just because your flesh don't like it and it doesn't feel good doesn't mean you don't need it. And even if somebody went overboard and didn't do it exactly the way they should have done it, still doesn't mean you didn't need it. What's the time to do? Pop up and say... 
Thank you, sir. So people ask me in time after this, why do you jump and run to the platform? Well, that's why. But see, there's reasons people might think, well, man, he's picky. No, if you knew him, you knew it ain't about him at all. It's just experience knowing that if there's a big lull, maybe the Spirit of God gets to moving. And then there's this huge lull in between that and what comes next. You lose the flow. It's serious. It's lack of respect. It's lack of focus. See, it was serious. But people want to say, well, what does it matter? I don't see what's all the big deal. You don't have to. You're the younger Submit to the elder. Right? I don't understand that. You don't have to understand it. Respect it. You want to be wise? Receive your correction. Take your medicine. Right? Receive your instruction. I got another one. Proverbs 13. Proverbs 13. And 18. What does it say? Poverty and shame shall be to him that what? What if they believe in prosperity? What if they sow seed? See, there's more to prosperity than just confessions and sowing seed. If you're hard-headed and you're not teachable and you refuse instruction, I don't care if you do believe in prosperity, you will experience poverty. And shame. Somebody say not me. me. But he that does what? Regards reproof shall be honored. A person that looks on reproof and goes, oh yeah, that's important. Thank you. I received that. I appreciate you taking the time. Do you understand? If a person's heart is right, they don't enjoy correcting you. You ever heard your mama say, this hurts me more than it does you? You might not have believed it, but now if you're a mom or daddy, you know what they're talking about. And as leaders with Phyllis and myself, we get no pleasure out of having to correct somebody. we got enough going on as it is. And if something comes up, you're thinking, oh, man. Because, <laughs> you know, a lot of people don't enjoy it, don't want to hear it. But if you got a job to do, you got a job to do. And so from the other standpoint, a wise person will appreciate an elder or leader going through that for them. There's been times people didn't realize it. I got in. It was late. I was tired. I was looking forward to a day of rest. And I couldn't do it. I had to go in and pray and wait on God sometimes for hours to get wisdom and get clear. And then go get cleaned up and go see them and go talk to them. And they didn't appreciate it at all. All they understand is I'm getting corrected. Didn't see the fact I loved them enough to put my feelings aside. And be willing for them not to like me for a few days. Did you hear me? If it will help them grow up. And miss some problems. There's another side to this isn't there? Skip down to the 15th chapter. And I think this is it for tonight. 15 and 5. A fool does what? despises his father's instruction. It ain't okay 
for your children and your teenagers and you're trying to tell them something important and them roll their eyes at you and sigh and tolerate you. That is not okay. They are acting like a fool already. And it does not go well for fools in their life. Fools do not have good lives. So, you know, in that situation, you don't tolerate that. You say, hey, you sit there and straighten yourself up. Look at me. We're not playing here. Now, I love you. And this is important. You pay attention. Because so many parents are so sloppy, they just let their kids wallow around and whine and smack their gum. And, oh, mom, oh, please, hey, show some respect. I'm talking to you seriously now. This is not playing. Sit up. Be a young woman. Be a young man. Pay attention to me. Are y'all with me? Don't, don't, don't tolerate all that stuff. You're preparing them for failure if you let all that stuff go. Well, they're just kids. Well, they're just youth. I know. That's why we got such a mess. Because people think that. Don't, don't you think. Little ones. I mean little ones know stuff that's going on. Oh, they, they can be so much sharper than their parents think they are. They can learn. They can see. 15.5. A fool despises his father's instruction. But he that regards reproof is prudent. Skip down to verse 10. Correction is grievous to him that forsakes the way. And he that hates reproof shall die. There's been people that I've tried to help. And I'm thinking about some people right now, certain individuals, off and on for decades. I don't know how many hours I've prayed for them. And tried to help. And God's done miracles and miracles. But their life has been miserable. It has been hell. And one day I asked the Lord. I said Lord. What? Because I love them. I don't want to see them like that. Lord what can be done? He said they're unteachable. As long as they're that way nothing. So you're thinking they wouldn't listen to you. He said, they won't listen to me. And if they won't listen to me, I can't help them. I can't fix it. And when he said that, he began to remind me of this time and this time and this time that I had sat and pled with them for two hours. Don't do this. Don't do this. Stay here and do this and focus on that. They wouldn't listen. And then another time, and another time. I've sat down with people before and showed them scriptures for an hour, one-on-one. Scriptures. And they cried, and they said, yeah, that's right, Brother Keith. And the next two weeks later, they went straight and did what we said not do. What is that? Unteachable. Did not esteem instruction or correction. And that's a fool. And what did it say here? What happened to that person? Last person, they died. They die. Keep reading. Verse 12. A scorner loves not one that reproves him. Neither will he go to the wise. Now you see that happen. People will get where they don't want to be around you. Now you ought not be chewing on them. 
But if they think you're going to talk about something about it, then they try to stay away. Skip down to verse 31. The ear that hears the reproof of life abides among the wise. (laughs) They live with the wise at Faith Life Church (laughs) and other wonderful places. He that refuses instruction despises his own soul. But he that hears reproof gets understanding. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is, and can you see how that flows together now? Is humility, a part of humility is being teachable, correctable. Teachable. Even if somebody's wrong. There's been times I knew people were wrong from the time they started. But I thought, well, tell me. It won't take but a couple of minutes to listen to them. I mean, what I'm talking about, I'm teachable. You know, there's, thank God, not too many, but a few times people send you ugly grams. You know what an ugly gram is, you know? Like you ought to get out of the ministry. You're hurting more people than you're helping and all that kind of junk and stuff. Well, I'll take it. A lot of times if there's nothing to look at, I don't look at it. But if there's something that I should, I'll take Even if I think people's got a wrong spirit. I try to see, is there anything there? Am I like that? Am I doing that? And sometimes you might see one thing. And the rest of it, they're wrong. They're off. But that thing, yeah. I have been a little bit that way. You always got to have an open ear. Willing to hear. Even if it's not pretty. Willing to look at it. Even if it's not nice. If it's not flattering. Even if somebody's attitude's wrong, their spirit's wrong. What they're trying to do, I still want to know the truth. Right? And if the truth makes me look bad, well so be it. Because by the grace of God I can change. And if it is wrong, I want to see it. Because if it's wrong, that's why some things haven't been working. And as soon as I get it and change it, now I'm going to get results. Glory to God. So a wise man, a wise woman loves instruction. Yeah, teach me. Yeah, show me. Show me. Even when you think you know. Yes, yeah, show me. I've had people surprised that, you know, I'm surprised why they don't think that way. But I've been doing some things and one guy was with me and he said, well, you let that guy show you that three times. You've been flying uh, five times longer than him. Why'd you do that? Because, how many understand you can go over something a hundred times and there'd be something you didn't see? And sometimes people say it a different way or they've learned through experience a nuance. And a wise man, a wise woman is a continual student, aren't they? They're always eager to learn. Knowing they got so much to learn. Open and looking, right? Willing to be even corrected and rebuked if need be. And the wise receives the reproof and lives and abides among the wise. You know who is the wisest of all is God. That means you're in his company. You live with the wise. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet and lift your hands. Begin to praise God. For the wisdom of the Holy One, Lord, we love you, we praise you. 
We value your correction. We love you and value your instruction. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.